PA Turnpod is brought to you free by Anchor. On today's episode, we're going to recap Sixers-Raptors game six and the almost collapse from this year's Sixers team. We'll talk a little bit about the other playoff series in the first round. We'll preview some of the second round series, give our predictions. We'll talk a little bit about the NFL draft. We'll highlight some prolific players that were taken. We'll talk about the Eagles and we'll talk about the NFC East. Philadelphia baseball team just swept the Rockies. We'll talk about them, see what's going on there. We'll wrap things up with our four-minute scramble and our W's and L's. But first, let's take a pause to hear Joel and I speak about our great friends over at Anchor. I gotta say it was a good day. everybody welcome to pa turnpot episode number 52 this is the today is a good day episode because everything that happened yesterday was pleasant <laughs> which leads me into segment one pleasantries hello joel how are you i'm doing well pretty good after a momentous night in philadelphia sports history one of we had the sixers not blowing it, becoming an asterisk. We have the Fightins reclaiming their name after we just buried them a week ago. <laughs> and who else? Oh, and the Eagles. Howie Roseman did like a small move. Nothing nonchalant, you know, getting a be- beefy white out. Nothing big. 100 million. Nothing big. But yeah, I'm good. How about you? I'm all right. I said yesterday to somebody, um, I had a customer at work that was wearing an Eagles sweatshirt and a Sixers mask. And I said, are you cautiously optimistic or are you terrified? She said, you know what? I'm going to the draft party. It's going to be a good night. I said, well, today's got a chance to be the best day of the year for Philadelphia or one of the worst. And it all Mm -hmm. starts with how the Phillies go because they played, I think, at one yesterday. And they got the ball rolling and they kind of kick-started the day. So I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling more positive now, obviously, than I was a few days ago. But there's a lot to look forward to. Uh, the, The bad thing about the NFL draft is that it happens now, and then the season doesn't happen for another like five months. <laughs> At least for basketball, it keeps going. And the other sports, what happened yesterday has like an immediate impact. Oh, yeah. I think the Flyers might have won. Who knows? Oh, well, I, if they lost, that's a good thing. They lost 4 nothing on uh, Tuesday, I believe, or Wednesday. Inching closer to the number one overall pick. Naturally, it's a draft that doesn't have like top-end talent. Uh, <sighs> there's like four good players, but like no like true stars. No, that sucks. Which is always how it works. The next next year, apparently, there's a big phenom in uh, in juniors right now who is going to go number one, and probably the Flyers have like the sixth pick instead of the second or first. Flyers should just uh, hire Sam Hinkie and just make it happen. Just tank to get that pick. He's too smart. <laughs> uh, hockey brains are, or they think they're smart, but they're really just all mush. We're going to be great next year. Telling to us uh, Flyer fans, I'm like, yeah, right. It's like you can't have a personality to work in the NHL. You have to be like stern and like look mad all the time. But be kind at the same time. Yeah. Um, but dude, let's go. Let's just jump right into it. Uh, game six. Sixers in Toronto. No Thibel. Will the Sixers close out or will it be a game seven this Saturday? Let's head over to Sh- Scotiabank. <laughs> that was my best uh, 
TNT personality impersonation. But uh, yeah, Sixers one thirty two, Raptors ninety seven. Sorry, Rob, for cutting you off. No, but uh, big win. As if it couldn't have been more chaotic, they assigned Gus Johnson the game for NBA TV. Um, really? Just so everybody knows, so the Sixers won 132-97. Uh, if you take away free throws, the Sixers would have still won by 33. So uh, Nick Nurse, if you're at home right now, you know, pooping your diaper in your bassinet right now, um, or if you're fishing or maybe talking to Jeannie Buss and going to L.A., um, you put that in your pipe and smoke it because uh, your team lost and it didn't take officiating to make it happen. I know, right? Those calls were like iffy from game it's, four. It's been interesting the last, you know, week or so because the Saturday game. So we, when we last spoke, Jesus, we were leading into the Saturday game. We Three knew, nothing. yeah, we knew going into that game, Scott Foster had it. So there was, you know, cautious optimism. We also knew the NBA doesn't like having um, sweeps, although. Even though they sent Scott Foster to Brooklyn, it didn't help out there. But we knew they were, <laughs> there was a chance they were going to have a clunker. It was a Saturday. I, I said last week it was good if they lost. It yeah. wasn't good if they lost two in a row. Certainly would have been good if they lost three in a row. But I don't think it was the worst thing in the world for them to lose a game, especially because Atlanta was able to win one against Miami. So I don't want them to have too much rest between series. and want them to kind of go into the next one ready. Yeah. But um, – oops, sorry, one second. Oh, I had an email coming through. Um but, I mean, the fact that they, they coughed one up in Toronto was not a huge deal. They only lost by two possessions or whatever it was. It got a little lousy at the end. But yeah. the game in Philly was really – that that was the you know cause for concern. And I truly think that having Thibel on the floor was part of the reason they lost. Um, no chemistry. And, and, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much of each of the last two games you've seen. I didn't see a ton of game five because I was – where was I? I think I would worked that day and I came home and the game was on and – and then yesterday, uh, game six, mm-hmm. it was just you could see they defend hard and so differently when Thibel is in the corner versus when he's not. Like when Danny Green is the guy in the corner, or Korkmaz even, or Niang, they have to respect the shooter. They were just openly just coming over doubling Harden on the drive anytime you had the ball at the top of the key and leaving Thibel just wide open in the corner. So Toronto, you know, I think was at a disadvantage without Thibel being there. And that's yeah. ultimately what caused the Sixers to have a little bit more of an offensive um, breakout last night. I mean, Thibel is like this year's version of Ben Simmons. Like, why would I guard him? You don't really – you're not a shooter. And I'll be happy if you beat me. Yeah. I'll let you beat me, but I'm not going to have Harden and Embiid beat me. So I'll let you open. And you saw it. Embiid would kick it out, and he would either airball it or brick it, almost like Danny Green. But Danny Green – you know, Danny Green him. stepped up. He stepped up, and I gave him his name back, even though that is his name, DRGR, whatever it is. <laughs> Danny Green was sensational yesterday or last night. But, uh, yeah, Thibault's a liability out there on offense. It's being more shown ever in this series when he was in the three games at home. Um, We'll see how he is in Miami. We'll see if they implement him, or do you stick with Danny Green and bring Thibault in as the second-unit defensive guy? I think that's what you do. I or think do you, you split can, it 50 50? I think you do between those two guys and Niang and Shake. And I don't expect Corkmaz to play too large of a role. I'm interested to see what happens at the back of five, whether they stick with B ball Paul or they go back. I was surprised they stuck with him. But um, I think with Danny Green, you just start him because this offensive lineup has a little bit, or the starting lineup, I mean, has a little bit of offensive chemistry right now. Yeah. 
he's also more of a threat to hit shots. And it seems like he's got his legs back under him for the playoffs. He's like doing the whole Jimmy Butler thing where he just walks, sleepwalks through the regular season, <laughs> average five points a game or whatever. But so Thibel in yeah. game five, you want to guess what he was from the floor? One for two. I believe he was one for six, which was terrifying and nauseating. The Raptors won that game 103-88 for what it's worth. Matisse Thibel was one, one for six from the field, uh, 0 for three from deep. Do you know what his one made basket was? Yes, I watched it in Thibel, real time. Thibel, I laughed. Thibel pricked <laughs> a shot, and Precious Achua tipped it into his own net, and because Thibel was the last sixer to touch the ball, they credited him with a basket. Yes. <laughs> it's like in, in baseball where you can't really just give a team an error because it can't be assigned to one particular player. It has to yeah. be like... You want to give him a team error? That should just be a team basket. <laughs> I mean, like, that's how it is for soccer. Like yeah. If it's an own goal. Like, but the stat shows, it doesn't show that you made it. It says it was actual it goal says, against I team made it for yeah. you. <laughs> Which in, is even in, uh, better. <laughs> in hockey, there have actually been goalies that have gotten goals in hockey because they made a save and then the, and there was like an empty net on the other end and a player on the opposing team tried to pass the puck and it went through the guy and went all the way down to the other end of the ice. <laughs> so they give the goalie the goal because he's the last guy to touch it. At least in soccer, they give it to the team that kicked it into their own net. And the player. Jay Roman, (laughs) own goal. (laughs) Can you believe that on the statue? Yeah, um, here's the bench, and Precious Achua with two points. (laughs) Precious Achua was one for one on one basket, and then two for nine on the other. But guess who wasn't one for one? Millsap's course. (laughs) Yeah, I saw that score, but Achua did for the Sixers. So Paul Reed looked terrible in game five. Um, so game four, I get, we can, there's not a whole lot to go into on that game. I think so. We'll start there because that was the last, the uh, logically where we left off. Yeah, that was the Saturday game on the 23rd. They lost that game 110 102. It was close for the most part. They were down by actually down by uh, 13 heading into the fourth quarter. So it felt more like a a loss than it 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 when I was watching it, which was like I caught like the, a little bit of the third and fourth quarter when I left work. Yeah, I was like, you know, this doesn't feel like a loss, but I think it will be. Like, it didn't feel like one of those. All right, this is let's just pack it in and move on. Uh, Harden played 42 minutes. I thought he was one of the better players on the floor, and B did not look very good. He was, I think, at what he was one for six in the first quarter and at two points, something um, like that. Dana Green two for ten, but I don't really care if he keeps shooting. Niang was the best player off the bench. Um, Thaddeus Young was good for Toronto. Siakam had 34. Trent had 24. Ananobi had 11. Um, I still don't understand why they kept starting Kem Birch if they're just going to play Achua 30 minutes off the bench anyway and go with the Achua, Siakam, Trent, and Anobi, um, Thaddeus Young lineup. Yeah, that was puzzling. The fact that Kem Birch would just like start the game for the opening tip. He played in games um, three, four, five, and six. He played five minutes, 11 minutes, um, and five minutes and 14 minutes. And he took 10 shots combined in those, those four games. So I don't quite understand what the idea was there. Maybe use him early, use up some of his fouls, and then go to the bench lineup. But it seemed like as soon as Fred Van Vliet, which was in game four, four, when he left the floor, that's when the Raptors' offense kind of opened a little bit, and that's when it became difficult for the Sixers to defend them. They went with the five switchable wings. Um, no like true guard on the floor. Gary Trent, I guess, is like a 2-3 kind of combo guy. But they went with no guard on the floor, and that's when it really started to give the Sixers fits. But game four kind of give it a wash you know they they stunk uh game game five was terrifying i don't know did you see much of that game no i was i actually don't even know where i was what day was that monday you were probably at work 
Oh, no, I was recovering from the wedding over the past uh, weekend, and I was going to work, and then I just had a mental breakdown, so I didn't watch anything. Didn't even know they played. Uh, that's, that's how bad it was. So they lost 103-88, a 15-point loss. At home? Every time you turned around, it was a nine-point game, and every time that they were at a big bucket, here comes this guy doing this, right down the other end, here's an alley-oop of Thaddeus Young. So oh, um, they got – so the Raptors got, it looks like, about 23 points from their – 25 points from their bench – yeah. Siakam had 23 and 10 and 7. Ananobi had 16, 5 and 4. Gary Trent, 16 points. It felt like every shot he took made, it went in. So, I mean, I don't know what happened there. Scotty Barnes came back and played well. He is a way worse shooter than I realized. <laughs> every shot he took last night, it was like the Thibel thing. We're like, all right, who cares? Let him do it. <laughs> he had one made three pointer in the entire series. It happened yesterday, right? I think it happened in game two. Um, uh, game one, I beg your pardon. Oh, no, he did hit two last night. He hit one in the – oh, he only had two the whole series. Yeah, he had two last night. Um, it was two for seven. So he, he took he one away, though. They took one away. He had one, but then they took it away because his foot was on the line. So he, well, he made almost three. I don't think he's as good as people think, but I do think he's got uh, the intangible aspect of his game. He's also where, injured, though. Yeah, he's playing half. You know, hit him and Van Vliet. I give credit to Van Vliet. When we said the first couple of games, he really didn't look like he was playing healthy. Yeah. And it was only a matter of time until he got hurt and was, you know, out for the series. So uh, credit to him and credit to Barnes for coming back. Um, he got he hurt play in that game, game one, four. right? Yeah. Yeah. He, he got injured in game one, came back for game four for like, what, a handful of minutes, gave it all he could, while yeah. someone in the New York State couldn't do it. And we'll get to that later. But uh, shout-out to Scotty Barnes. His stock has risen. Even though he can't really shoot, he's on one leg, and he did the best for his squad. And he gave his squad a chance to win, which they did in Game 4. He was big. My back. My back um, is broke. Spinal. Uh, <laughs> so he played 40 minutes in Game 5. Jesus. Barnes, which is a lot coming off of an injury. But he's young. Bright future for him. Raptors take that take that game, and then we have to sit on our on our hands for two days for the travel. Jesus. No game Tuesday, no game Wednesday works out because Thursday I was able to get home in time to see some of this game. Tyrese Maxey, forty four minutes played. That's a game high for the Sixers. Game high in general. Um, Siakam played forty three minutes. That guy plays so many minutes. I think Nick Nurse, if he goes to the Lakers, is going to run the the old guys on that team into the ground. Like they're going to be dust by the time April rolls around. That won't happen he, until LeBron leaves. He's LeBron turning into Tibbs. Team. He's turning into Thibodeau. He probably is Thibodeau, honestly. I th- I'm pretty sure I heard on the radio broadcast the other day that Siakam led the league in, in uh, minutes per game. Van Vliet was like third, and Gary Trent was like seventh, which is a lot of minutes for those guys to be playing. And, and they don't really have a superstar on their team. I guess Siakam is the closest thing they have to one. I'll but... double. I'll double on that. They don't even have a bench. I mean, Chris Boucher, yeah, sure, but... Boucher played well, um, but like Thaddeus Young, Svima Kailuk, um That's I it. Guess, I guess Achua was technically a bench player, but I mean, he was... Again, Ken Burch played five minutes, had one assist and a foul. Like, what, yeah. what was the point of starting Ken Burch if he's only going to... I got it from the... When the when the Warriors used to do it with Looney or uh, Zaza, Zaza or, or, or Bogut, and then mid-game they would basically just go to the small man lineup and they would use uh, Festus Azili off the bench or use yeah. Draymond at the five. It made sense, but what's the point of Ken Burch playing five minutes? For the tip-off? <laughs> like, what does that do for you? <laughs> just, I mean, uh, chances are Siakam can jump higher than Ken Burch. <laughs> Probably. I think that was just Nurse trying to outsmart himself. 6'9", dumb Canadian man. 
<laughs> no reason for a guy from Montreal to be in the NBA to, in the first place. Oh, my goodness. Um, so Siakam for Toronto had 24-7-7. and seven. He was 9 of 17 from the field. I, I've said numerous times I don't care about efficiency in a big game. Just give it to your volume guy, and if he's going to score, he's going to score. Gary Trent was 7 of 15. He had 19 points in 40 minutes. Barnes had 18 points in 35 minutes. Um, Chris Boucher, <laughs> uh, game high for the Raptors at 25 points off the bench. Uh, ten before boards. the series started, yeah, 25 and 10. Before the series started, we both kind of like jokingly looked at the roster and said, all right, which guy are we going to hate? And it was like, all right, Preston Sachua, come on down. Um, Ken <laughs> Birch, come on down. And turns out it was Chris Boucher. And Anobi was a ghost out there. He sucked. To be honest with you, if they got more from him, this game would probably – they would have gone seven. I think losing Van Vliet hurt Ananobi's game a little bit, though, because Van Vliet is a very ball-dominant guy that, you know, it, it put the ball into the hands of Siakam and Trent, like guys that aren't usually distributors. And Siakam, to his credit, became a very well-rounded player the last couple of years. And this series, it really showed his talent. And I've, I'm really intrigued by this, this like, switchable five-man wing lineup that Toronto ran out there. Yeah, And I thought it was going to give the Sixers fits all series long because they were going to have Danny Green – Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, George Niang switching on the guys that could dribble, and luckily a couple of those guys held their own on defense. I mean, Siakam has come to his own since the Kawhi Leonard arrival and departure, and yeah. you can safely say this is his team now. I mean, I thought it was always going to be Fred Van Vliet because he was there, I think, around the same time, if not longer. But He was. He was there the same time as uh, Siakam. But I feel like this is Siakam's team, and this also, Van Vliet's injury hurt Trent Jr. because Trent Jr. is not really your prototypical ball handler he's like a spot-up shooter but now he's forced to handle the ball a little bit more and facilitate more guys, yeah and do more um barnes did what he could again precious achua and anobi thank you uh and anobi just were ghost i mean and anobi was chris birch was weird. just out there for no reason not sure why birch played still puzzling. i think it's literally for the tip-off that's a it had to be maybe they said hey go foul and beat for two minutes and then we're going to put in somebody that knows how to play basketball. Or maybe it's like, a, hey, he's from Canada. Let's let's start the Canadian guy. That's probably what it is, honestly. It might be. Um, on the uh, on the good side of history, Joel Embiid, 35 points. I'm sorry, 35 minutes, 33 points, 10 rebounds. I believe they said this is his 11th career 30 and 10 game in the playoffs. Um, I mean, just give him the MVP already. Yeah, Tyrese Maxey, 44 minutes, 25, 3 and 8 assists. James Harden, 22 points, 15 rebounds. Very efficient from the field. Probably his best shooting game of the year. 7 yes. of 12, and he was 2 for 5 from D. 40%. I'll live, live for that. Tobias Harris and Danny Green. Say what you will, and we said a lot about those two guys yes. um, in private before we started doing the podcast, and then also during the course of the podcast. Danny Green looked like, like buttocks the first handful of months of the season. And Tobias Harris, we really were concerned about. Leading trading. into we're the, trading yeah, after the Harden trade, we're like, this is just it's not going to work with him. He has become like basically what he was supposed to be after they got him from LA. Yeah, he, his dribble drive game improved, his defense was amazing in the series. I worry a little bit about the Miami series, which we'll get to, but I worry a little bit about that. His rebounding, his, his defense was great, his rebounding was phenomenal. He had 11 rebounds last night. Um, his spot up shooting was three for eight from deep. I, I'll take that from Tobias. I mean, I yeah. would like for it to be, you know, three for five. Took eight threes. And they were probably all pull up, or no, I'm sorry, not pull up, uh, like stand still, catch the ball and catch and shoot threes. They were. And he took a lot this series. And his game, if anybody's had to sacrifice anything the last <laughs> couple of months, it's been him. And he's had to deal with a lot of nonsense. 
when he got here, he had to really give up probably about like 15% of his touches just by nature of the team that was here with Reddick and Butler and Simmons and Embiid. And then yeah. the next year becoming more of a focal point, they sucked. They had Al Horford. The next year becoming more of an actual focal point, dribble drive, balls in your hands. And then the playoffs kind of went ghost. And now this year, you know, having to be kind of, all right, Maxie's the point guard now. Now it's Harden. Embiid's being great. Tobias Harris has done so much to sacrifice his own personal, you know, abilities in game. And he has done so with, you know, I guess, you know, a proverbial smile on his face. He hasn't really complained about anything. And he's been great. And I hope he gets more credit than, um, than we were just giving him because I think a lot of people in the media were bashing him uh, early on in the Harden days. And he's been unbelievable. His defense is the biggest takeaway I have from this entire series. Yeah. He was amazing. And Danny Green, say what you will about him, but he hit so many shots in this series. Um, I, I'm sure the numbers don't really tell the whole story. Um, in the series, he had two points. <laughs> yeah, they don't. Two points, 11 points, <laughs> nine points, six points, 14 and 12. And he did that all basically from the three-point line. Um, 0 for 5 in game one, 3 for 9, 3 for 7, 2 for 7, 4 for 9, 4 for 7, which I don't know in front of me, but probably works out to be about a 35 40% three-point shooter. And that's better than it was in the regular season. Yeah, for sure. Um, and as you as I have on the, on the rundown here, on the docket here, we gave them their names back. Because for the longest, <laughs> it would be Embiid, Maxi, Harden, Casper, Dr. Drg Junior. Daniel. Oh uh, yeah, Daniel. But now they got their names back. Um, they yeah they sh- basically showed up, showed out. Uh, Danny Green was sensational. Uh, caused two turnovers. I mean, he did two turnovers on himself as well, but he got a couple steals, I believe. Um, even he got five rebounds. So this defense focuses more on the rebounding. On offense, I'd rather have them. Someone stay back and get offensive rebounds for second chance points, but I'll take most of the rebounding on the defensive side. Wow, Harden was a plus thirty-eight. Oh yeah, dude. I was looking at these plus and minuses. Just about everybody had to be positive, right? Maybe aside from like Springer and Joe and Milton. And I think Niang. Niang yeah. might be a minus. I think. Bastard, that's not good for my brand. <laughs> hey, uh, Yahoo doesn't have the plus minus. I'm not even gonna bother. Um, but I also have uh, our boy, f- friend of the show, B-Ball Paul on there. Uh, he was great. 12 minutes. He's been everything Quality you minutes. from the backup center, yeah. Quality minutes. We've said for a while now, you know, we we named him the graveyard of backups. Kyle O'Quinn, Amir Johnson, Boban Marjanovic, Greg Monroe, um, <laughs> Al Horford, uh, who else? Ooh. Dwight Howard. Jordan and Paul Millsap. They they ran through all these backup centers and not one of them could stabilize a game when he was at and not that B ball ball was stabilizing anything. But you just have to win the backup minutes because Embiid, generally speaking, is going to be a net positive. And if B ball Paul comes in and just isn't worse than like a minus three, you win these games. In in game seven against Toronto a couple of years ago, Embiid was like a plus six. And I think whoever the backup was, whether it was Boban or Kylo Quinn or whatever, was like a minus ten. And that's ultimately how they lost that game too. Um, but B-Ball uh, Paul was good. Oh, dude. It was terrible game five, which was concerning because I thought maybe Doc would go to uh, to DeAndre Jordan or maybe a small lineup with like Niang at the five or something, but he stuck with him to his credit. And I mean, I he, 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 was a be- he was a better coach in the series. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think he was feeling the pressure. I know yeah. he was a little defensive when reporters asked him about that, but uh, to his credit and the coaching staff, 
they got a good game plan and ultimately like Shaq was saying I agree with Shaq on TNT it's ultimately the players responsibility for blowing a 3-0 lead yeah. and possibly losing the series it's not on the coach yeah, coach gets what, some blame but it's really the players because you're on the court getting your ass beat for four straight games so Harden stepped up b-ball Paul has been nothing short of amazing for the minutes he's allowed to play out there for 12 minutes but giving yeah. Joel Embiid the rest he needs and he's not a liability out there on defense. He's fu- he plays hard. He goes after anybody who has the ball. Uh, can't say enough about Bebo Paul. Thankfully, and he led the bench with nine po- with nine points. And yeah. I have the plus and minuses. Niang was a plus eighteen ah. for six points. Very so good for my brand. Trent Mendes. Uh, the only ones that were negative actually were Shake Milton with minus three and Cork Moss with minus one. That was probably at the end of the game when they came in for garbage time. Here's the thing, though. Joe and Springer came in late in the game. They were plus three each. So oh. <laughs> explain. Well, Corkma has got actual run in the second and third quarter, I believe. Um, Shake, I don't remember him. See, I don't remember seeing him out there, but I remember seeing Corkma's in the middle of the game. I guess Doc was just like, "Hey, screw it." Um, two, you know, and not to defend him too much because Doc was very pompous when they talked about the uh, the blowing three zero lead thing. Yeah, he said, "Oh, look at my team and." Uh, Look at my and resume. Look at Orlando, my my shitty team there. They were the seven seed, and we beat the Pistons or whatever. We lost the Pistons. So I mean, no, they beat the Pistons. Eight did seed. they? And yeah, then, they were the Then they, I don't think they won a game the rest of the playoffs. Um, so just to let everybody know, teams that were down three two in a series had never. So teams looking to force a game seven in a series down three two, with Bill Kennedy as an official in the game, which this guy. <laughs> yes. Um the guy who looked at the camera. 11. They were one and eleven leading into last night's game. They are now one and twelve with Bill Kennedy doing the game. So Bill Kennedy is the anti Scott Foster. And the Sixers made it out alive, which is all that matters. They get a little bit of a rest. They got Saturday or Friday, Saturday, Sunday to get off uh, get off hey. their feet. Um Harden gets a good chance to go down to Miami, live some live the life down there. And beats them gets healed magically. Hopefully. And uh, they give Kyle Lowry plenty of time to figure out how he's going to step on Embiid's hand four times in the series. Um, but that's oh, that'll put the bow on that. Um, listen, I'm I'm not going to say that that completely exercises that demon. That's going to be the theme the next few weeks. Yeah, because they're going to you know Toronto, then they got Butler, um, also Miami, who they have struggled with. Then you know it's either going to be Milwaukee or Boston if they get through that, and then in the finals they got to beat whoever if they get there. So. I'm not going to completely put that to bed. I think it's going to take a Philly championship to get completely past that game seven. Uh, maybe <laughs> yeah. if they won this series in dramatic fashion, then that would do it. But I think this kind of, this, you know, at least neutralizes it to an extent. And I don't feel as lousy about losing game seven because they went back there. I thought was pretty cool is there's a video on the Sixers Instagram of a beat walking down the hallway. Yeah. And he's like, oh, it's a great win. We did it. He talks about how great of a win it is. You know, business isn't finished, and it's the same hallway as the infamous picture. How he was crying, where he was emotional after Game Seven, and I think that was a a nice way. I think the Sixers kind of subtly did that. They could have easily been like, "Remember this hallway," and <laughs> but they were subtly just like, "Hey, big man is he's done. We got through the series. Let's go back to Philly. Um, let's um, make it out alive." So for, I think for me exercising the demon would just get to the final because that's just, what that's what would have yeah. happened if the shot didn't go in from Kawhi. we probably would have went to the finals winning it obviously would be great but yeah. getting to the finals would be like all right we did it we finally fucking got here let's let's roll 
Getting um, out of the second round, I think, would exercise another demon yeah. collectively as a fan base because that's been their kryptonite the last few years between the you know the Celtics series, Toronto series, and then the Hawks series was all just second round losses. And even the last time they made the playoff before that was the Boston series in 2012, and they lost in the second round in seven games. So it's been a it's been a tough ride, and I'm sure the the NBA probably doesn't want them to win because it's you know the team that tanked and. And B calls himself the process, and he was told to stop calling himself the process by Jerry Colangelo, and he didn't want to do it. And they hate the guy, and they hate Doc, and Arden's never been a big, you uh, know, popular yeah. man in the locker room. So I think it's um it's good for basketball to have a you know a good guy and a bad guy in the finals, so to speak. If you have you know maybe the Suns who everybody loves or pretends to love, and then the Sixers who everybody hates or pretends to hate. So yeah, who knows? We'll see. Well, I don't want to think too far. I don't like doing that, but Miami round two should be fun. Yeah. But round one, round one has been fun too, and there's still some more basketball to be played. Uh, just to put a bow on this, uh, let's just not dismiss Harden. Finally showed up in this he series. He looked phenomenal from the first quarter on. He looked phenomenal, and Maxi looked like dog shit. Looked lost in that first half, and then that third quarter came alive. Came alive, hit three big shots back to back, all threes. Confidence rose, and then the Sixers team never looked back. It felt like Tobias nailed every corner three that I saw him take last night. You know, he was probably, was what did I say, three for eight? Yeah. It feels like he nailed a couple big shots that kind of just shut that stupid crowd up. Um, one more thing. I don't know if this is hyperbole. What's up? Uh, because it's the internet. But I read that that was Harden's first dunk since January 21st. <laughs> now, that could just be a joke. But I don't remember him, I don't remember seeing him dunk as a sixer. So Listen, maybe that's true. <laughs> that's got to be 1,000% true. Because I forgot the game was on at that time. I happened to be on Twitter and I saw this dunk. I'm like, where's this from? <laughs> I haven't yeah. seen this. <laughs> yeah. And then I realized, oh, sh- game six is happening as we speak. Now, did you, see, did you see his step back? So he made a couple step backs last oh, night. Beautiful. Did you see the one where he landed on OG and Anobi's foot? Dude, I was so upset. I thought at the very least that should have been a foul. And I actually, so Doc Rivers, another guy, I'm not going to completely, you know, take my foot off his throat. You the gave his name back. With Danny Green. Yes. And so I gave it back after game three and I took it back after game four and five <laughs> and gave five. And he was Glenn yesterday, but doc rivers, I think he's done more for his image as a coach for the Sixers the last two weeks than he has in the first two years he was here. I absolutely love that he got on the floor and he started bitching and moaning and, to- and got the technical foul because I don't know if it would have affected it the second time it happened, if it did happen again, yeah. but hard and landing on OG's foot and that not being a foul. I applaud him for standing up for his player there. Um, because if he didn't get the tech, it would have been somebody else. And I don't want to see Danny Green get yelled at again. So I'm, I'm glad. Or that did that. And I mean, even if he gets tossed, I'd rather have Sam Cassell and Dave Yeager coaching the team anyway. And Dan Burke. So who cares? Or Tom McGinnis. Tom McGinnis. Um, let him, let him coach. They should have just left Doc in Philly. They could have let everybody else figure it. Dude, I was so Brett Brown tight. was in the front row. <laughs> dude, I can't believe he's still there. He just keeps showing up. Like, we're not going to notice him. <laughs> like, come on, dog. We see you. We out here. We know. It's all good. You can come back. For those, of you listening, for those of you listening, there's a guy that looks exactly like Brett Brown <laughs> that was at game three and game six. I uh, Maybe game four also. I don't remember seeing him, though. He looks exactly like Brett Brown, and the, the camera was never on him for more than a couple seconds, so you can't really tell one way or the other. But if but that if was squint, Brett Brown, he deserves it. If you squint it. your eyes, it's Brett Brown's. Uh, even if you open them wide and use a, a friggin', <laughs> like a telescope, it looks like Brett Brown. Oh, my God. Oh, and that call, though. I was a little irate. I was like, "Come on, dude! I know the you're fact baiting." That he got hurt. I felt like he got hurt, 
if Harden goes down, there there he goes. There's momentum swift off the bat, and then we don't know what's going to happen in the next series. And also, I mean, I know both teams have bitched about the calls, but that's a blatant one that you should have called. And, and Harden never it. gets that call. It's just wild. And then Embiid going down as well. He getting hit in the head as he's going up for the lob. No calls. But Siakam would just chuck it up from like over his head. Gets a call. It would be wild. I hated it. Um, I keep looking at pictures of the fake Brett Brown. <laughs> we'll, we'll, like we'll, we'll post it on the Instagram. <laughs> it <looks> just like <laughs> But uh, yeah, Harden stepped up big. Embiid sensational. Maxi third quarter. Harris has been... Yeah. Phenomenal this series. And the numbers haven't been uh, as much of an indication as how well he's played. Same thing with Danny Green. They I think the li- great. I think Doc's lineup in the final handful of games of the regular season, especially giving Embiid and Harden some rest here and there, and having Tobias kind of be on the floor the most, gave his confidence back, gave his groove back, and working with that second unit as well. Yeah, uh, I think the one thing the one thing I did notice between games four and five. Mm-hmm. that they were not doing lineup wise is when in games one through three and then in game six again to doc's credit when paul reed came on the floor it wasn't paul reed and like bench it was paul reed and the four starters or at least three of the starters with him yeah so in those minutes you're not relying on paul reed as much versus in games four and five for some reason he was out there with you know shake and niang and like well what do you expect so good adjustment from doc who's never been a good in-game adjust guy or in series adjust guy and to his credit, in the week or so that they had between the end of the regular season, or at the end of the regular season really mattering, yeah. and the beginning of the playoffs, he did a lot to prepare his team for the first three games of that series. I hope he has enough time now to pre- prepare them for Miami, because I think it's going to be a test. And it's it's a test they did pass late in the season when Harden and Embiid were not on the floor, and yeah. Maxi went off for 30 or whatever it was. But Bam Adebayo is a different center than anything Embiid saw the last series. Kyle Lowry is a different He's an actual guard, and Jimmy Butler's going to want to beat the crap out of his former team. Now, they will be able to roast Hero and Robinson for the most part, but yeah. still, there's a lot of players on the team that can hurt you. And that, unfortunately, the Sixers don't have as many players on their team that can hurt Miami. And the Sixers have to win all their games on home floor and have to steal one in Miami, at least one. I think we can steal one in Miami. I think I we can so. steal game one, actually. I'll go on record and say we'll steal game one. Um. Yeah, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be a great series. I hope. Hopefully, it's, it's not a gentleman sweep. <laughs> I, I hope. hope not, unless it's uh, on the right side of history. Oh so, yeah, of course. On the for the rest of the playoffs, we won't take as much time as we did last time in doing this. But yeah, um, since we recorded, Miami has closed out the um, the Hawks. They beat them in five. Um, there was no Jimmy Butler in the final game, and no Kyle Lowry in the final game, and they still won. Trey Young really looked frustrated for the most part when I watched them in that series. Uh, Victor Oladipo, good to see him back. And I don't know what happened. It, did you see the end of game five? In I Miami? didn't see that series at all. So there was a ball that went out of bounds in the – so the the from where the television camera was, the, the Miami was shooting on the left rim and the Hawks were going left to right. There was a ball that went out of bounds in the top right corner of the floor and Nate McMillan had two chances to draw up a play and neither of them were any good. And that's and they turned the ball over at the end and they lost. And I think he should be fired for that. Because you can't go into a game five not having something for every situation. And there were like a couple seconds left in the game. And he had nothing. That's terrible. And I mean nothing to draw up there. And they lost that game without to lose a game five while the other team is resting two players is pretty pathetic. 
I mean, they were never in it to begin with. I mean, Miami's defense yes. is up there with Boston's, and they were not afraid of Trey Young or any of those shooters. Everyone, even Bam, even got in front of Trey Young. They I did believe. a great job. So they frustrated Trey Young, and Trey Young is the spark. If if he doesn't, if he's not hot, that team is hard to get going, especially yeah. with Capella not there. Yeah, they have a, they have a lot of good role players: Bogdanovich, um, Herder, John Collins. Um, who's, who's the other guy that went off? Um, DeAndre Danilo. Hunter went off. Ah, went off yes. last game, but you know when your number one guy's not going, the Sixers have decent role players. When your number one guy's not going, yeah. we've seen it. it. It it doesn't work. So they face Philadelphia in the second round. We'll get to that in a moment or two. Milwaukee closing out the Bulls four one. I thought it was good. The um, the Bulls got a nice um, a little, they got a lot of love this year. Yeah, I know that. I think they're still ahead of schedule. Also, not having Lonzo for the playoffs kind of hurt them. Uh, I expect them to make a couple moves in the offseason. They have a good core in place. I think they need a little bit of like a, a bench to rely on. But Milwaukee winning in lieu of losing uh, Chris Middleton, that's going to be encouraging. Uh, we said we needed more from Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez. Giannis just took everything into his own hands. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is scary. Giannis is like, I think I said it. Middleton goes down. Watch Giannis just turn it up another level. It's like, all right, I don't got Middleton for a while. Let's go. I'll just be Middleton. <laughs> And like so, I said before, Drew Holiday is probably arguably the second most important player on that yeah. team. So without Middleton, you got that one-two yeah. combo. Bobby Portis had 17 rebounds in Game 5. Uh, Pat Connaughton and Grayson Allen combined for 33 points off the bench. Jesus. Javon Carter added six of his own. And even the bad on Takumpo played. That's how many points they were up by. So they, they did a good job. They give I will give them credit. Um, game 4, they came back after losing Game 3, and they really beat the piss out of them. Giannis had 32 and 17. Uh, Portis had 14 and 10. Holiday, 26 points. We said we needed more. Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton, 32 points combined. So they did a good job. The role players on the team are going to be big as we move forward, especially against Boston, which is a pretty deep team. Um, and we get to them, Boston beating Brooklyn in four. What a – I don't want to call it a surprise. Uh, yeah, let's call it a surprise. It is a surprise. But it's not what you expected. I thought that was going to go seven. I'm almost positive. We, we both did. We thought this was the most anticipated series to watch. And it was the worst one to watch. And so I think the margin was like 16 points total for the four games that Boston won by. So it kind of reminds me of the Sixers-Boston series from 2018 where like the, the margin was like a plus 20 for Boston the entire series. They lost four games all by less than five points, and then they won one by less than five. So it, it was an interesting series. Um, I mean, Tatum, 29 points in, in the closeout game. Um, Durant, 39 Kyrie Irving was pretty brutal toward the end of the series, and he's now on his high horse pitching the money about the media. Everybody's a puppet. So he's got to change his narrative because it's not about him being sucky at basketball. Blake Griffin gave them some good minutes in game three. Um, was it game three? It was either game three or game four. Um, he was just at one, he was yeah, like game a man three. possessed. He had, he had eight points in seven minutes, but he was playing in phenomenal defense. They played him like a regular run, like 17 minutes in game four, and it didn't matter, but. I think they just ran out of gas, it seemed. Brooklyn. Gas or just and they were just confidence. Just like of that and out coach too. Steve Nash. I mean but then I think it's also that Ben Simmons. I, there's more to it. I think Ben Simmons saga drama, they're being constantly axed on social media and on the pundits on T V, like yep. Stephen A and in you know, uh scrums. Oh, how about Ben Simmons? How does he look? What do you think is his impact? All this shit away from your game and the game at hand. Talking about a guy who hasn't played since 
game seven of last year for a different team, you know? Yeah. And the anticipation of reporting, oh, he will go in. So like, all right, we're going to get a spark back. Let's get something. Which is crazy to say because you have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. They don't need a spark, but it felt like they needed a spark. They needed a third man to get them going while they're not going. And then Ben Simmons decided to say, nah, I'm good. I'll set this one out. Looking like Willy Wonka in game three. <laughs> and uh, it is what it is. Uh, they got swept. And credit to Boston's defense. They said, I'm not going to let Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving beat me. I'm going to let everybody else beat me. Let's see what happens. And Durant tried, but it didn't work out. Yeah. And game four was um, – it sucks that we didn't really have a chance to, you know, lament the losing for uh, Brooklyn. We didn't really get a chance to celebrate them losing in four and then a chance to celebrate Denver losing in five because the sixes were almost blowing their oh you know, they're serious. We didn't get a chance to laugh at Brooklyn and Denver, but now we get a chance to. So, ha, ah, you suck. And <laughs> Brooklyn, you have all that money tied up. I know a guy's never going to play for you. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, Sixers beat Toronto. Um, they beat him in six. Harden showed up. He played well. On the West. Yes. So Devin Booker returns for game six, comes back, and leads Phoenix to a second-round berth, beating New Orleans, who really was, it seemed like, the Cinderella story of the the playoffs this year. Yep. Um, CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, just a fun team. Chris Paul, like, it almost Jose Alvarado. Me. Jose Alvarado out of the Phillies bullpen into the playoffs, being exactly. a pest. <laughs> How the bittersweet, I would say, is the uh, the mood. Did you see the end of the game last night? Remind me. I did see a little bit of it. So I don't remember the actual plays. Chris Paul was perfect from the field last night. I believe he had 33 points. He was like 12 for 12. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely bittersweet because I believe Willie Green, the Pelicans head coach, was on the Sun staff last year. Um, and of course, Chris Paul, having played for New Orleans the first you know ten years or whatever he was in the NBA, yeah, it, it, he was very emotional at the end of the game last night. Everybody was emotional, hugging Willie Green. So it was kind of almost like a, "Hey, we hate to do this to you, but see you later" kind of thing. But Chris yeah. Paul was excellent last night. Booker was good, and the Suns look like they're going to be hard to beat. Um, we said in episode fifty-one, we need to see more from Mikael Bridges, and then he was really good in Game Five. So. They sent Scott Foster to do, I believe it was game three. He got his job done. Chris Paul has still (laughs) never defeated Scott Foster. (laughs) The most powerful man in basketball does not wear a jersey. uh, Yeah, right. Or a suit. And So Phoenix advances, which is what I think a lot of people expected. I don't think we expected it to go six. I think we thought it would be four or five. It would have went seven if Chris Paul didn't have a perfect game. Yeah, because Booker for – you know, as good as he is coming back, it was still not, he's still not 100%. And I thought the Pelicans just didn't stop putting up a fight. Larry Nance was good this series. Um, Ingram was obviously great. And McCollum seems to have found a perfect spot for him. So if Zion ever comes back, or if they are able to trade Zion and maybe get value for him in the same way the Sixers did with 10, yeah. I think there's a chance that they will be right back at it next year. They were, what, 10 games under 500 and still made the playoffs. Yeah. And they kind of showed, hey, if you're hot at the right time, you can make some noise. And they made a little bit of noise. So and kudos Will- to them. And Willie Green's a phenomenal coach. Former Sixer. Yeah. He was, a, he was one of the really bad players Iverson was surrounded with forever. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Dallas took down Utah. The Mavericks advanced. Luka Doncic came back in game four, I believe it was. Jalen yep. Brunson came, burst onto the scene, turned down a contract extension last year, and now he's going to get probably a max. He did cost me $10 last night. Which oh, how is, so? Um, 
which I will be sending my lawyers in his direction. I had him for the first basket <laughs> okay. of the game. Okay. He missed not only a layup, but a seven foot jump shot in the first two minutes of the game last night. And then I believe it was Mitchell knocked down the first shot. Mavericks look pretty dangerous. They have a really interesting core there between Brunson and Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney Smith and all those guys and Luke, obviously. And Bertons they, and, and Powell. So they're going to be interesting to watch in the second round. And Kaliba. Kaliba, yeah. Um, but the only thing that concerns me at the Mavs is, I mean, they can, what's great about them, they can play without Luca. Yes. They can ball without Luca. Can you play without your best player is a weird question to ask, but they're yeah. one of the few teams that I think actually can. Now, can they play with a more dangerous team? Because Utah on paper is dangerous, but. We've seen this song and dance time in and time out. They're the West Coast Sixers. Yeah. Or they're like the Indianapolis Colts. Great regular season, but when you get in the playoffs, just stink it up. It never stops. Um, But we've seen that they can play without Luka. Here's the question, though. The Mavs, in late games, or especially the fourth quarter, they blow leads. This should have been a sweep, if not done in five, because I was watching that game... I think it was Saturday, game five, and they were, I believe, on the road in Utah, I think. I don't know, actually. Game four or five. They were winning this game, and then all of a sudden, within the final five seconds, I think Powell misses two free throws. Spider gets the rebound. They don't call a timeout. They run down to the opposite court, and Gobert gets the go-ahead field goal. They're blowing leads because they were up yeah. 12 at one point with a minute left, and they blew the lead. So my question is, can the Mavs sustain a lead? I mean, we've seen it on our side. The Sixers, you're up yeah. 12. You if might as well say they're down three. If anybody knows about blowing leads, the Sixers. Yeah, so can the Mavs keep a lead and you know keep the foot on the throttle or on the throat, so to speak? I think that comes with experience. That might come with experience. It also might come with having players that have experience. The Mavs have not really been here, you know, quote unquote. Yeah. With this new era of Mavs basketball. We're out of the first round anyway. Phoenix has, and Phoenix is going to be tough out anyway. I could see that series being good. We'll get to that in a second. But I I think, honestly, Phoenix is the better team at closing quarters and closing games. Winning championships is all about closing quarters, beginning quarters, and calling plays out of timeouts. And I think that is, and obviously, you know, scoring within the whistles too but those are some of the things that set you aside from you know good teams when you watch a game watch how teams close quarters watch how teams open quarters and watch how teams come out of commercial breaks and that is going to be the indication usually the team that plays better in those particular it's like the third down thing in football you play better on special teams in third down you're going to be you're going to win it's that seems to be the x factor and i don't know if the mavericks have that type of they have guys that can score they have guys that can do their job but I don't know if they are as well-rounded as another t- any other teams in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, the Suns are scary, though. Yeah. But they remind me of the Warriors when they were on that run. Yeah. The Roy- just You automatically know the Warriors opening the second half. Put on your shoes. You're going to be doing a lot of running because they're going to jack up the score in the third quarter. So in the fourth quarter, they kind of take it light. They'll still be competitive, but they won't be sweating because they're already up by 20 plus points yeah. because of the third quarter outburst every time speaking of the warriors they beat denver in five uh they gave doughboy a game just oh wait one on. last thing one last yes. thing go ahead oh is this we- the end of this trio in utah because we've heard rumors quinn snyder rumor to be going 
elsewhere. He turned allegedly turned down the Lakers offer because of how they treated Frank Vogel. Is Spider and Gobert the duo to get this team over the hump? One of them out, both of them out. They're both probably signed to long-term contracts. What's next for this Utah Jazz? I think the first thing that will happen is Snyder. It'll be a mutual departure. Yeah. I think they're going to say, hey, we... uh, Go in a different direction. We just want to go to a different direction. They're not going to fire him because I think he's done a lot for them, and I don't think he's going to quit. So I think it'll be one of those, let's protect each other here. Let's Small market, too, yeah. yeah. I think if they're smart, they'll do it now. If he's smart anyway, he'll do it now. Because it gives him a head start on coaching jobs, and it gives them a head start on coaching search. Um, you think Monday? I think that, yeah, I think so. It might be like, it could be a news dump next Friday, maybe, okay. or maybe today. Cause you know, Friday tends to be, you know, a news dump day. Yeah. Um, it could be Monday. Although when, like when, when we've seen coaches get fired in the past, like when Brett Brown got fired, it was like the next morning. So, I mean, it's like, but that was evident. Like we all knew. Fair, that yeah. on the, on but the I think we know this, I guess there's a chance he'll be back. And I think if they were smart, they would probably keep him. But uh, we've seen from him, he's not a very good in game adjustment guy. Um, he seems to be a good, like, preparation type coach getting them ready for the game but he doesn't really do much in the game um as far as spider i think he is about this is probably the 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 straw that will break the camel's back in my opinion i think that gobert will go i think there's going to be some sort of an ultimatum that comes up it'll be spider and gobert will be like hey one of us has to go because we can't play together anymore that for at one point wasn't there like a stat this season where um, donovan mitchell had passed like actually just passed the ball to gobert like five times like it does, he like just doesn't give him the balls. I think Spider will end up on the Knicks, and I think Gobert ends up on the Mavericks next year, and I think Snyder will end up with the Spurs. I think Gobert is going to stay because why would you, why would you want Gobert? I know defensive player of the year because of all the freaking rebounds he gets, but offensively he doesn't give you anything. He needs a couple moves. Like compare him to Embiid. Embiid can do a lot more than Gobert and Jokic too. And Jokic, I mean. Would you really want, and then you want him as a max guy or a big deal, but he yeah. can't, he's a liability on offense. You got to take him out in late games because he can't really. He all he can do is defend. Yeah, he gets played off the floor. Um, I, I think that he will still find a, a team that'll need. It's going to be like a mid market team, like a Dallas that'll need a guy that is good enough to give that, and like not great, but you're not you're in a market where you're not going to get a star. They so. have Boban though. That's a star right there. Fair. But yeah, that's two guys that can't play in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think they have a good thing going with Powell and Kleba and all them. But I think they could upgrade. They, they were one of the teams that was rumored for him. We'll see what happens. Um, Denver and Golden State. So they gave Denver a game just to save the MVP's image. Because I don't think an MVP has ever been swept in the first round. But hey, whatever. Uh, Warriors just look like world beaters right now. I didn't see a ton of the series, so I can't really talk much about. It. I didn't see much of this or the Memphis series, so I can't talk too much. But Neither but um, I. But the Warriors, from what I saw last game, just kind of put that game on ice. And they did over. what the Sixers should have done and need to learn how to do, yeah. and that is close out. Because that's the hardest game to win is the closeout game. They didn't rest on their laurels. They went for the kill, and they did it good or good and early. Uh, Steph looked like he's back from that little injury that he had. Clay Thompson looks like he's been there all year, and it was shocking that he wasn't there all year. He just Jordan came Poole back. looks great. Draymond's back. They're all, the three are back. Jordan Poole, uh, the baby glove, or the mitten. Yeah. Um, they're all there. Um, it's going to be an interesting uh, Warriors team when, if and when they face with the Suns. Yeah, that seems like those are the two teams most likely to come out of the West. 
Uh, Memphis and Minnesota. Memphis um, game three, game six is tonight. That's the only series left from the first round. Yeah. Um, do we expect the Grizzlies to close it out tonight? Yes. I barring, do too, but but barring yeah. any protester running on the court, uh, I, I, I think, think they can do it. I think the NBA needs a game seven. I think they're going to have Minnesota win tonight. And um, I, who's doing the game? Let me look it up real quick. Because it just delays the inevitable. But at the same time, the NBA needs a game seven. Like they they need something. Give me game seven in the second round. Yeah, I'm but that's good. boring. Ah, come on now. Boston versus Milwaukee game they seven. Can't, they can't have a weekend without basketball. Game six. Oh, oh. <laughs> what the fuck? Guess who the head official is tonight? Scott Foster. No way. Mr. Foster. So congratulations on Minnesota winning their <laughs> final home game. Uh, we'll see you game Sunday or game seven on Sunday. All right. So the semifinals. Yeah. So Sunday is actually going to be the first game of the Bucks and the Celtics, or it could be the first game of uh, Memphis and the Warriors. If Memphis wins today, if Memphis loses, I believe that will be pushed to Tuesday. Yeah. It'll be flexed to Tuesday. Um, so the Bucks and Celtics, the Bucks have home court. What are your anticipations on that? What, who do you think wins that series and how many games? Celtics in six. You know what's crazy is I'm actually going to go Celtics in seven. Really? Yeah. I'm do you spun- think? Do you think it's a each team gets a a victory on the road, or is it home, 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 and then obviously seven? I think it's going to alternate. I think Celtics will win games one, three, five, and seven, and the Bucks will win games two, four, and six. Okay. Um, so let's assume Memphis plays the Warriors. Yeah. And then we'll assume separately that Minnesota plays the Warriors. If Memphis plays the Warriors, how many games do you think the Warriors win that series in? I'm kidding. So if Memphis plays if <laughs> if if, uh, if Memphis plays the Warriors, who do you think wins that series? How many? I games? just buffered for a minute. Um, Warriors in five. I'm gonna go Warriors in six against Memphis. Warriors in five against Minnesota. Uh, oh, Mavericks no. and Suns. Warriors sweeping the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's nah, bad for the league if they have a sweep. Um, hey. Dallas and Phoenix. Phoenix. Oh, I'm sorry. So it's actually Celtics have home court, and then um, yeah. the, Sun, the Suns have home court for this one as well. Yes, yes, yes. Um, what was the question? Uh, Mavericks and Suns. Suns are the home Mavericks court, home, home team for this series. I'm going to go Mavs and six. I don't know. I feel like the Mavs are, are there. They're I ready. It'll be... Jay Crowder can't make a shot, remember? I'm going to go Suns and six. Ooh. But I think Dallas takes game one. I, I see Dallas taking game two. And that's so. what so it's I think Dallas, takes Dallas game one and that pushes everybody in their direction. I see it. Suns win game one. Dallas wins two, three, and four. Lose five. Win at six at home. I don't know what it is. The Suns just all of a sudden become this great team. Their starting it, five is terrific. Chris Paul can turn it on. I can tell you that much. He can. So. Um, Long to his 30s. So before we. So May 2nd. Yes, sir. 5-2. My five jersey two. number. Also the the Episode. number of this podcast. Yes. So do you remember May 2nd, 2015? Let's play a little um, flashback Friday. May 2nd. It was Mayweather versus Pacquiao. It was game <sighs> seven of Rangers and I believe Devils. Um, game six between the Spurs and the Clippers. 
the Kentucky Derby, the NFL draft. It was the biggest sports day in the last 10 years. Really? Yes. I so remember I just wanted the boxing to, match. That's it. I just wanted to throw <laughs> my stupid knowledge in there. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, I think it was... Did there was you a lot like, going on. Did you, were you uh, at Buffalo Wild Wings just watching all the screens? That was opening day for my men's league that year. So, <laughs> so we lost 9-4 in the morning. And then... Um, oh, man. Oh, no. Was that opening day or was that the... No, I got ejected that day. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> yeah, I think I got ejected that day. We played in Roxborough, and the the uh, the umpires were trash. And then they was it Angel Hernandez? Basically, I think it was this dork named Nick that ran the league. It was doing the umpiring, and um, I made a comment about there being a makeup call, and he threw me out of the game for it. <laughs> Something happened. They they kept getting everything wrong, and then there was a play at the plate, and they called the the guy on the other team out, and I said, "Well, there's our makeup call," and he tossed me. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how my May 7 was in 2015. Um, oh my god. <laughs> um so Sixers heat, Miami with home home floor, home whatever advantage and uh, heavy advantage is Doc Rivers has to somehow keep James Harden in the hotel. Um <laughs> What do you what do you think happens this series? I'm terrified. Sixers and 7. Sixers and 7. Sixers and seven. <laughs> the more hoping, I say it, the more it comes true. I'm hoping it's Sixers and seven. Here it is. The C- the series split is two and two. Harden didn't play for any of the four games. <laughs> so with my not with that in mind, Harden playing, I think we can do it. I think we got this. What about you? My heart says Sixers in seven. My brain says Miami in six. I think that's uh, – I think I'm just going to go – I'm going to split the difference. I'm going to go Miami in seven. All right. Sixers and seven. Or Sixers and six. Fuck it. I don't know. Um, uh, so we'll we'll kind of talk more about the second round in long form when we have things to actually talk about. I, you and I don't know – Oh, the Bucks run this type of offense, and the Celtics are—they're sixteen and twelve against teams that run it. So nothing, we don't know what we're going to prove you. Oh, Giannis has to play well. Tatum's got to play well. If Embiid outplays the other, whatever. So we'll talk more in long form next week once we have a couple games to go off of. Yeah. Um, for now, we're going to switch gears and go to the gridiron. But before that, let's just take a quick pause and not play Purtle. Oh, come on, man, Purtle! It is Purtle time. Purtle time. It's time for the Purtle later. I've been waiting um, for twelve hours exactly for this moment. Yeah, 12 hours and 12 minutes. <laughs> Did you play the Weddle game today? I haven't played a single Ertle of anything. No, Ertle. We, we did the Hurdle before we came on, and neither of us knew the song. I actually didn't know you were playing it until after the fact. You were like, oh, of course, it's this song. And I'm like, oh, okay, you were playing Ertle. I've never, never heard the song before in my life, so I'm not... All right, so here we go. My first guest will be Joel Embiid. All right, my second guest got me the division. My first guest got me the position-ish, if that helps you. Oh, I got everything now except one thing, which what I think... What the fuck? Let me see. I got it. This is insane. Four guesses. My second guess is Boban Marjanovic. <laughs> that, that goes nowhere. Um, let me see. Jalen Green. The way, by the way, are you off on Fridays? Yes. Game three of the Sixers series is next Friday. 
I'm smiling from ear to ear. What are you saying? Are you asking me out? Live on the podcast? <laughs> Let's see how much tickets are going for. Oh, is that, oh, you just want to do that game? <laughs> Let's see how much tickets. Oh, look at that. $400 for nosebleeds. No, thank you. I figure I'll kill some time. Holy smokes. All right. Let's, uh, wow. Okay. Maybe not. Let me see. Cheapest ticket for uh, three people oh, next Friday it. is a buck sixty-three. No, I don't got it. You thought you had it, but the it's it's not as hard as you might think. Carmelo Anthony. It is Carmelo Anthony. Dude, it was embarrassing how long it took me to get. It. <laughs> how did you get to that point? All right, Joel Embiid came the center forward. Then I went. All right, let's go west. Boban Marjanovic. <laughs> Nothing but the west. I'm like all right, scratch that. Jalen Green. I always like to throw in the rookie. He gave me. Obviously the West, but he this person played for Houston. Mm. So I'm like, oh, for whatever reason, I just disregarded that and went CP3. For whatever reason, I thought CP3 played for the Houston. He did. Well, oh, all right, that makes sense. But he yeah, he the, got traded for Westbrook. That's right. That's right. Then they gave me the division, so I was like, all right, Curry. Clearly, obviously, Curry didn't play, but just go for it. Then I hit Russell Westbrook. Boom, got the team. And then right there, dawned on me, Carmelo Anthony. So Nothing. my uh, mine was a little bit shorter of a journey. Why does Carmelo look like he's sad, but he's like got to take a shit at the same time? Because he's on the Lakers. Um, uh, my first guest, as you know, is... Pals. Uh, Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam, always, for no reason. Um, that gave me the position, but not anything else. It kind of gave me the hype. So yeah. I said, whenever it's that, I usually go to the other conference. I went Draymond because it's Pacific Division. Yeah, different conference that gave me the answer to West Pacific forward height within that range. So I saw he was older than 32. So I went, maybe it's LeBron. Yeah, right. Although I think LeBron has been the answer before. I got almost everything from that. Um, LA West Pacific forward, 37 years old. You just didn't get the jersey. Yeah, the jersey was yellow. So it was one or two higher. And LeBron wears six. So I know Carmelo wears seven and also two inches shorter. Carmelo's Carmelo's uh, six feet seven, so I got him. So a little bit easier this time around. At least it wasn't Nas Reed. We looked like <laughs> we'd have to cut this whole segment out. Yeah, right. We'd be like, but first, Purtle. And with the NFL draft, and then we would just cut <laughs> it out completely. Well, I don't know the Purtle part. Eh, it never really happened, actually. I had a moment. But that was fun. Purtle's always a fun game. All right. Uh, so NFL draft, speaking of fun games, football's oh a fun goodness. game. Yeah. Um, Georgia. Six, I believe, defensive players in the first round. Good for them. Um, the first non-quarterback to go first overall since 2017. Who was the first pick in 2017? Pop quiz. Uh, that was the draft fuck. in. That was the draft in Philly. Oh, that I do not know. Um, ah, uh, JV on Clowney. It David. was Miles Garrett. Of course. Um, so Jaguars, after like three months of everybody thinking they were going to take Aiden Hutchinson. Like three days Ooh. ago, it became Trayvon Walker was the favorite. Trayvon Walker is a little bit more upside, I think you could say, than Aiden Hutchinson, but Hutchinson is more ready now. The second this pick was made on the screen, it said the Lions are now on the clock. The pick is in because the Lions knew exactly who they wanted. They took Aiden Hutchinson second. Yeah. Um, this could be uh, two two players that are going to be linked together, almost like a yeah. Goff and Wentz or KD, Odin. It could yeah. be one of those two things. Like one could be really great, the other one could I, stink it. Or Burrow and Burrow and Herbert too. Yeah, and so. 
Uh, coincidentally enough, the next two picks were also corners. So Derek Stingley from LSU goes to the Texans. LSU just churns out pros. Yeah. The, the, them, Alabama, the, the teams like that. Uh, Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner. Um, if you're Italian, it's Ahmad Gravy Gardner going to the Jets fourth <laughs> overall. Um, there you go. I, I broke you. Um, Jets take Ahmad Gardner fourth overall. And then the the hated New York Giants had a, I, I hate to say, but the Giants had a great draft. Yeah. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau goes fifth overall to the Giants. Uh, the Panthers took Akeem Iquano, the offensive tackle. And then the Giants took their next pick, Evan Neal, at seven. We're not going to go through every pick, but um, yeah. Falcons took the first um, receiver, Drake London, off the board. Seahawks that, took. That's a big move, though, for the Falcons. Yes. Because they, they lost. They lost Julio Jones, Gage, Gage, Calvin Ridley, due to, you know, gambling. Yeah. And then somebody else, I think they lost. It was like a one-two punch with Julio Jones. Maybe it was Calvin Ridley. Who knows? Might have been Ridley. Well, they lost um, Taylor Gabriel a couple years ago, too. That, too. So. Um, so what you call it? Garrett Wilson, not Garrett Wilson, Jesus. Drake, Drake London and Kyle Pitts, Kyle I Pitts. believe. And Cordell Patterson and Mike Davis. They have a, something that looks like a core. Now, who's their quarterback? We, we don't know who's going to throw him the ball. Yeah. Isn't I mean, Mario, Mariota for now. Mariota. But I think they're going to end up taking one next year. So Gotcha. Okay. The Giants then, so the Giants took Evan Neal, Drake London to the Falcons. Now the Seahawks were one of the teams we thought might take Malik Willis. They wind okay. up taking offensive tackle Charles Cross, which the biggest problem every time – we talked about Russell Wilson in Seattle. Was he was always running for his life because the offensive line was terrible. Um, taking a tackle, I think, is the right move there. You can get Willis probably in the second round. Yeah, and it protects um, and your quarterback, Drew Locke, or whoever you whoever it's going to be. Yeah, Mayfield, whoever. Um, so the next three picks, and then we'll do the Eagles and a couple more, and we'll just kind of you know pick, yeah. hand pick some on the way out. Um, so Garrett Wilson was the second receiver off the board, Ohio State, to the Jets, who had a phenomenal draft. The Saints traded up to 11 with the Commanders, and they took wide receiver Chris Olave from Ohio State. And then the Lions traded up with the Vikings to take Jamison Williams 12th. So three consecutive receivers. Uh, Williams was on Alabama. Remember, he got hurt in the championship game. Yes, I remember now. Those three guys, uh, before he went to Bama, was with Ohio State. All three of those guys were the top three receivers on Ohio State two years ago. So congratulations to Ohio State for just churning out pros. Yeah, right. Um, And then the Eagles traded up to to 13. Now – do you think they traded up to 13 because they anticipated they were going to get Jamison Williams there until the Lions jumped over them? Yeah. Or do you uh, think they actually traded up for Jordan Davis? No, I think they were going for a wide out. I think so too. And I wonder if the Corey Davis, I'm just not Corey Davis. Um, who the hell did they get? AJ Brown move was also going to happen regardless of if they got Jamison Williams. Cause you imagine if they came out of this draft with Jamison Williams, AJ Brown and Devonte Smith as their top three receivers. What and that go- would be like. Goddard. Yeah. So the Ravens stay put at 14. They get Kyle Hamilton, probably the <laughs> third best player in the draft. I'm sorry. Give me a second. I just realized. Jameis Williams, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, Goddard. You still have that fucking guy on don't say, uh, offense. Don't say, don't say it. And then and the then, other guy. And then the wideout turned tight end now. <laughs> Oh my number god! Number two tight end, <laughs> Exactly. What a they also, they nasty also, lineup. I believe they held on to Boston Scott. They still have Miles Sanders. Um, so I mean, the offense. It's we'll get we'll get to it later. But can the ball get down the field? It just um, dawned on me that the second yeah. tight end on the Eagles is JJ Arcega White. Well, if it's not going to be Richard Whatever. Rogers, it'll be him. Um, Kyle Kyle Hamilton goes fourteenth. Uh, the Ravens, I thought this year did a really good job of just letting the draft come to them. Yeah, in mm-hmm. a way. Um, and I think Hamilton is any defensive player that goes to the Ravens, dude, like it just becomes great. They know, um, Patrick queen goes there two years ago. Great player. 
Um, you know, they, when they drafted C.J. Mosley in 2011, just becomes mm-hmm. a pro bowler. Um, the Texans traded back with the Eagles. They took Kenyon Green, the tackle. We'll just go a little pick uh, a handful here. So the commanders with their tree, they got Jahan Dotson from Penn State, the wide receiver. That's good. Traylon Burks goes to the Titans. He's essentially um, what they got in return for A.J. Brown. So yeah. replace him with a younger version of himself. I like it. The first quarterback off the board goes to Steelers. And Kenny I believe Pickett. 20, Kenny Pickett. Staying big, in Pittsburgh. Big move for Steelers because usually they turn out pretty good products. Out they do there. a good job there, too. They do a really good job of developing guys. Um, the next pick, so the Chiefs traded up with uh, New England and took yeah. Trent McDuffie, who was a cornerback. He gave up zero touchdowns last year in coverage, and a lot of people like his fit in he went Kansas that City. Low? Yeah. I think he went to a smaller – he might have been like a TCU guy or something. Um the Cowboys took Tyler Smith, which pissed off a lot of their fan base. <laughs> and then um, the pick after that was the Ravens getting center Tyler Linderbaum from mm-hmm. Iowa, who I thought was the best interior lineman in the draft, and that's an amazing pick there. However, Lamar tweeted WTF right after that pick. So, uh-oh, something's at the door because the dogs are barking. Um, I believe uh, Amazon is here. Um, but he tweeted WTF <laughs> when that happened. That's um, not good. The, I believe the Ravens got that pick because they traded Hollywood Brown to the Cardinals, and that was the pick they got mm. for him. So, um, and how yeah. about this? Yeah. So the like the hit percentage on positions, which is the uh, the percentage of guys who are drafted that sign a second contract with that team. Yeah. First round picks, centers since two thousand, every single center drafted in the first round has signed a second contract with the team that drafted them. So, one hundred percent hit percentage on that. Um, according really? to Lewis Riddick and um, uh, Greenberg last night. I love Lewis um, Riddick. Linderbaum, by the way, he his stock fell a little bit because he has like short arms apparently. And Booger McFarland had my favorite line of the night last night. Well, those short arms made him <laughs> number one uh, freaking first round pick in Iowa, and he was handling guys in the, uh, the Big Ten with no problem. So, yeah, I mean those short arms, I don't really care. I'd say they would pick it, pick it. They kept saying, I got small hands. He threw the ball well with those small hands. I don't care how big they are. And watch him light up in the AFC North. Exactly. Uh, then the next pick, the Jets traded with the Titans. They got Jermaine Johnson, the defensive end, who was a top 10 talent, and nobody can figure out why he fell. He was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year, had 12 sacks after transferring from Georgia to Florida State. Um, Devin Lloyd went to the Jags. That's a great pick for them. Uh, he's another guy that kind of fell. And then I don't really know anybody else about Patriots got probably the best name in the entire draft. Cole Strange, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people like him. Um, some people don't. Holy smokes, that pick went through four different teams. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So the NFC East is what we're going to primarily focus on here. Yes. So the Giants had five and seven. They stayed put at both those. They took Thibodeau and Neal. Um, Thibodeau, very, very good edge rusher. That's going to be a pain in the nuts for Jalen Hurts for the next four years. And then taking Neal to be offensive lineman. I like that pick for them. Now they have Andrew Thomas at one tackle and Evan Neal at the other one. Whoever the quarterback is next year, whether it's Danny Dimes or Tyrod Taylor or Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, whoever, um, Jake Fromm, whoever it is, they're going to be upright. The commanders move back from 11 to 15, and they get a guy that probably fits their scheme anyway in Jahan Dotson. Mm-hmm. Um, Carson Wentz has to figure out a way to throw him the ball. But, hey. Yeah. That's his um, problem, not ours. So the Eagles basically, they had two picks. They traded up with one of them, and then they got rid of another one for a roster play. They end up with Jordan Davis. Um, we'll get to the trade in just a second. And the Cowboys remain at 24. They take Tyler Smith. 
Now, the biggest move of the night, arguably, happened. Of course, the Eagles had to be involved because, of course, what would any sporting event be without Philadelphia putting its face into the middle of the screen <laughs> and saying, hey, we're here. The Eagles traded picks number 18 and 101 to the Tennessee Titans for wide receiver A.J. Brown. And they immediately signed him to a four-year extension worth $100 million with $57 million guaranteed. Um, Jason Kelsey's reaction was probably the most appropriate to the situation. As <laughs> I don't know. So I actually saw the tweet the second it happened. It was on Twitter. And I was like, wait, I didn't get a notification about this. And I just see this. Is this real? And then I texted you and I texted a bunch of people. And everybody was like, rrr, rrr. Jason Kelsey had the best reaction. I think when you texted me, I think I said, of the Titans? <laughs> AJ Brown? I'm like, What? I was dumbfounded. Yeah. But uh, I don't know who this guy is. I'm going to play the soundbite. But he's uh, Adam Lefko, I believe. I think it's Lefko, yeah. Yeah. He starts off the bit. Enjoy, people. Oh, my God. Do you see what? that? Do you see that? AJ Brown? They traded for AJ Brown. Doc, get out of the way. Get out of the way. <laughs> Howie, Howie Roseman is working that Howie Roseman magic. That's what's going on. Mm-hmm. He's swindling. He's, he's moving up in the draft to get Jordan Davis, and now he's trading to get an unbelievable receiver. I, this is, I'm like on Christmas right now. Jason, I'm like on Christmas right now. After the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm like on awesome. Christmas right now. That should be the title of the episode. Yeah, right. <laughs> Next time. I'm like on Christmas. Great reaction from. So I guess uh, Kelsey's. Not, I Kelsey. guess Kelsey's only going to pretend to retire for one more year, and then we'll see what happens. I think but that's what that's what his mindset goes. Oh, we'll see what happens. We'll see we're keeping I... him young. I think Jason Kelsey has as much influence on the front office as Bryce Harper does with the Phillies, because I bet you Kelsey keeps saying, "Hey, do something, or I'm going to retire." And then now he's like, "Ah, oh, uh, Devontae Smith, uh, 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 Jordan Davis, and, and, uh, and AJ Brown." And every year he's just going to go out. And next year it'll be Julio Jones, and then it'll be Darren Waller, and then it'll be Derek Carr, and then it'll be two things. Patrick Holmes. Thank God. Thank if that is true. If he has some kind of influence, right? Thank God we don't have uh, a LeBron version of that on the team. Because can you imagine? That's why we're keeping the guy who shall not be named as a wide receiver who drops so many passes, <laughs> who works at McDonald's, and then the other one who converted to a tight end because. My God, that would suck. Because Kelsey, I think rather, he's, he's just doubling down at this point. I think Kelsey's too nice to tell the front office, like, "Hey, get rid of these bozos." Like, really going to put him as a tight end? I can be a tight end. <laughs> I think he was a tight end at one point, Kelsey, in college or something like that. Uh, so, second point, second point. Sorry, mm-hmm. there was a rumor I saw on Twitter as I was going through as I was watching the Sixers game. Darren Waller was a name thrown out there as a trade. Yeah, I don't understand that. That's, because there was a trade rumor with the Packers, apparently, for him. Yeah, that's what it was, Packers. But I don't know why they would trade him when they just built a super team Yeah, with him, Devontae Adams, and Hunter Renfro. So I, I think that might have just been somebody trying to stir the pot a little bit. Like for picks, right? Like to move yeah, up in the draft. I don't know. What, what, they, what are they going to do? Just draft his replacement? You're not going to get a tight end as good as him. And how awkward is that? Because Darren Waller was up there with Derek Carr yeah. to introduce the <laughs> draft. the beginning of the draft. <laughs> like, what? An yeah, ice cube, uh, up, apparently. So this episode that, was full circle. That was a trash beginning, though. I, uh, get, just get on with the draft. Yeah, I don't like that. Thank God for the... The Lions really set the tone for the day when they said, all right, first pick's in, ours is in, too. And then a couple more picks were just like, all right, immediately I this mean, guy. This guy. It's a guarantee. It's like if if it's not him, we'll get him. They both play the same position. Yeah. Either way, we're gonna be good. 
Uh, and it, it, it was the easiest pick of the night, Hutchinson staying in Michigan. Do you think the coach, I forget his name, of the Lions, was Dan he Campbell. like the one that was like, let's fucking go. Let's, I'm ready to break some neck. Let's go. Oh, yeah, he, he snorted a line of creatine <laughs> in the bathroom before that. So He was chomping at the bit. Yeah, he was chomping on someone's ankles. <laughs> um, so what would you give uh, draft grades so far for the four teams in the NFC East? Uh, we'll start first, I guess, with the Giants because they had the earliest pick. And this is just off picks, obviously. Just off the first round, be. yeah. Just off the first a round. For the I give it, I give it an A plus. They they nailed both picks. Yeah. A. Um, Washington moving back a few spots and getting wide receiver Jahan Dotson. I think they probably would have taken a receiver anyway where they were. I would say a solid B because they need B, a receiver. Yeah, I was gonna go B B minus. I think if they just stay at the pick they had, they would have gotten a better receiver. But I don't think Dotson's a huge downgrade from what they would. I think Dotson is more along the lines of. Like a, what's a good example? Like a like a James Washington or Claypool kind of guy. He's a complimentary, right? Yeah, Olave has a chance to be like a number one. Yeah. So, I think that's definitely a downgrade. But they also have McLaurin in place. They have Curtis Samuel there. They have good players on that team. So, they're and they accrued assets. I'm gonna give them like a B B minus. Cowboys. Cowboys Cowboys. staying at 24 and just taking an offensive lineman. A C to C plus because. You need to bolster that offensive line. We've seen it when they yeah. are at its best. Zeke looked unstoppable, and Dak Prescott is upright. Yeah, they should but, have. Um, they should have considered Jermaine Johnson, but I think taking a line is not a bad idea. I'm going to go see. And then the Eagles. Um, we'll go the pick, and then we'll go the night as a whole. So the uh, a pick, just being trade. trade, just trading up from 15 to 13 to take Jordan Davis. What do you give him for that? B minus. I'm going to go the same. I think he's a unique player, but I don't know if they would have needed to truly move up for him. I think they honestly were moving up to get Jameson Williams, and they yeah, they didn't. So B minus. And then the night as a whole, trading 15 for 13, and then trading um, 18 or whatever, and 103 or 101 for AJ Brown. I couldn't. I, I couldn't even do it better. But I echo what Jason Kelsey said. I'm going to give it. A, yeah. B plus, low B plus. I'm at like 89. So I'm like B plus A minus because they did have to commit $100 million to AJ Brown. But that's what they're they're never going to draft a player that good. So they may as well, you know, invest early. They may as well get the player when he's already established. Would you rather have a lottery ticket or something that you know is already a proven commodity? And most times you want to go, and he's 24. It's not like he's like 30. It's not like they're trading for Devontae. I thought he was much older, but hey. He's only think, going into, I think, like year four. I think so. you said it best. You're older than him, so it's all good. Yeah, I thought he was like 26, 27. He's, uh, he's, he's built like a man, that's for sure. Now, one quick question. Yes. Would you rather have A.J. Brown or D.K. Metcalf on this team? A.J. Brown. Me too. All right. Um, what do you think the Eagles are going to do I love next how we know exactly why, and we're not going to mention it. We just move on. He's it's exactly why. Um, what do you think the Eagles' next move will be? I mean, if you don't go secondary, bro, and you stick with the offensive line or defensive line, I get it because aging players and contracts, but we've seen this team. This team needs help on defense historically. There are are rumors that they are linked to uh, Tyron Matthew, though. I would like that, but I've we've lived through the super team era where you had Vince Young and you had all these players yeah. and Amsawa, whatever his name is, and it didn't turn out well. I give me proven players, but are young like AJ Brown. Don't give me an aging Matthews yeah. who could be injury prone ish, 
But it would be great. Don't get me wrong. Him as an eagle, Weapon X style, bring that back. Let's go. The, the guy I really wanted at the beginning of free agency this year was Marcus May mm. from the Jets. And I think he went to the Saints. I would rather have him. So secondary, um, linebacker is still a position of need. Um, I think they still probably need some offensive line help for down the line. Yeah. And I think they're going to probably sign an undrafted running back too. But secondary oh, is easily yeah. the biggest need. They they found a guy that'll work on the defensive line. They brought in Hassan Reddick. They brought in um, now Jordan Davis to go along with the defensive line, which already has Derek Barnett, Brandon Graham, um, Josh Sweat, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave. They have a decent little rotation working on the defensive line. Um, secondary and linebacker for sure. Now we're going to quickly play um, a game that you've appropriately named ring the bell or wave the white flag. Um, (laughs) So there was a joke on Twitter a few years ago. I'll appropriate this to the uh, other flyers. And there was a thing called fly or die. And it was, um, it was just something that people, every time the flyers won, people would say, Oh, they, they flied today. And then every time they lost, they go, today's a die. So it's, uh, (laughs) so we're waving the white flag last week. We're ringing the bell this week. The Phillies falling out of the, I guess the, the spotlight and moving themselves into fourth place in the division. So, um, dude, <laughs> four game winning streak. They swept the Rockies after losing two out of three to Colorado last week in Denver. First sweep of the year and only the second series victory of the year. Uh, yeah. They're six and four in the last ten. They're four games out. Uh, they're behind the Mar- the Mets and the Marlins. They're ahead right now of I believe the Nats. Um, obviously it's early, but your positional you know maneuvering does. I'm sorry, your divisional maneuvering does yeah. matter. Um, they play the Mets this weekend. They play the Rangers two games and then they go. I'm sorry, they're at the Mets. They host the Rangers. They go back to New York. What are your you know, takeaways well, and expectations? Well, no, they go to New York this weekend, I think today or tomorrow. Yeah. They come home and host the Rangers, and then they host the Mets. They don't go back to New York. They oh, host okay. the Mets. Well, they play them again. Okay. Yeah, they play them again. Um, um, what was the question? So what's your takeaways from this past week? Because I think the, the culmination of everything was last Sunday when Kyle Schwarber blew up in Angel Hernandez's face and then yes. the Phillies kind of, you know, caught fire from that point forward. Um, um, so the, the offense came alive this series. They scored a lot of runs. They hit a bunch of home runs. Alec Bohm now leads the team in runs batted in. Um, Odubel Herrera hits home runs on back-to-back games and then Girardi takes him out of the lineup. Um, it, it, a lot to unpack from this past week. Obviously, we don't want to go too deep into it. I don't think a lot of people are listening to this for baseball, but it stimulates our minds. Yeah. What What are your takeaways, I guess, from this past week? Um, is it the Phillies are just going to be kind of up and down all year, or do you really think this is closer to what they'll be? I think for right now, they're still getting their footing. Who's running the clubhouse, getting comfortable. It's going to be up and down. Yeah. Gerard's got to do a little bit better than just staying the course. You got to shake things up. I don't understand why taking out Herrera after showing he came back from the long layoff and looked pretty good. Maybe it's rest, you know, never know. Um, and the pitching is getting better. Wheeler was phenomenal. Eflin was great a couple nights ago, too. So, I mean, I think it just takes time. I think we just have a lot of higher expectations. And, I mean, how can you blame us? You got Schwarber, you got Nick Castellanos. You resigned everybody that you yeah. could. Harper is playing injured right now, but he's mashing the ball. He's been the designated hitter for the, the most of the last few games, so... I don't like that. I want him healthy. Me too. Give him some time off. Supposedly, it, it's just going to uh, fix itself. He threw uh, He threw a little bit last week, and he felt some soreness, so he could quickly stop. 
but um supposedly gonna let him throw and see if it'll heal itself um and also i like the resurgence of alec bohm because ever since he had that <laughs> infamous horrible game and the quote he's been a philly favorite and he had a couple big games throughout this stretch of games especially yesterday he came out big for the Phillies, so yeah, I'm liking it. And Schwarber's ejection is what you needed. You needed someone to said, "Fuck this, dude! If I, if you're not gonna say nothing, I'm gonna say something." Yeah, like, let's just go with it. I don't like Girardi being like, "Hey, man, um, hey, he, that, uh, that that was I don't know, it wasn't called for." Like you know, all it was really bad, Angel. No, no, I need him in his face too, like setting up on his players. Yeah. Don't softball because at that point it was a one run game. Importance, yeah, the bottom I wanna, line. I want to point out all the reasons that was a perfect ejection as well. Go for it. Kyle Schwarber. Yes, sir. So first of all, he did not stay comically long. He didn't stand there for a minute and a half screaming at the guy. He got his point across. He used theatrics. Secondly, he threw his equipment away from the umpire. He yeah, threw his equipment. He threw his equipment beautifully. It bounced perfectly. <laughs> and it did not hit Angel Hernandez, so he couldn't get suspended. Thirdly, you could see everything he was saying. So you could read his lips. And fourth. Joe Girardi came out and was just like, hey, it's uh, I don't know about that, man. But he was pissed, Schwarber. It was, right. it was everything you need. It he was came like, back. It was a minute. You could see he didn't leave the dugout after the ejection either. So he technically broke a rule there. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he got fined for it. I don't think he did, but. He will eventually. If, yeah. But he got um, his point across, and Angel Hernandez was brutal that night. Angel Hernandez had the biggest miss of the entire season that night. There was a pitch to Gene Segura that was in off the plate by six inches, and he called it a strike. I've seen John Boy and a bunch of others showing the the pitches that he's called balls versus strikes, and it's because of the union. Otherwise, he would be long gone. Yeah, well, he tried to sue the uh, Major League Baseball. So, yeah, what a joke. Um. Yeah, Schwarber's ejection was perfect, as you said. I couldn't say it any yeah. better. I like how he even stood up for the Brewers, like yeah, on both sides, both, both ways. It's fucking because McCutcheon, McCutcheon got screwed on one earlier in the game. Oh as well. yeah, and I think John Boy covered the ejection, and they show McCutcheon in the outfield. Like, yeah, yeah, just like, yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna treat if I can just find the Phillies schedule for the next week or so. The Phillies are actually in third in the in division. They're ahead of uh, Atlanta. Um, familiar territory there before they collapse. So they play the Mets tonight, tomorrow. The Marlins in second is just yeah. shooketh. They've been good. So they got a three-game set against the Mets, a wraparound series. They go Friday, Saturday, Sunday in New York. Um, tonight, I believe, is Nola. Um, yeah, so we got Tyler. Uh, Tyler. got Aaron Nola and Tyler, <laughs> Tyler McGill. Game two is Kyle Gibson and Taiwan Walker, proudly representing my fantasy team. Sunday, Zach Eflin and Max Scherz are the best pitcher on either team. Um, what do you think? Two out of three, one out of three, sweep, sweep. What do you think happens? Two out of three. I think they take two or three. Two three. They come home. They get Texas on Tuesday and Wednesday. Glenn Otto takes on Ranger Suarez on the Tuesday game, and then Martin Perez takes on Zach Wheeler. Both those games at 645. What do you expect from those two games? I really, I'm going to be honest, I don't really know how well the Rangers are. They're okay. I think it's they'll split it one-two. Is that normal, though, for a series to be just two games? So the only time I've ever seen it is occasionally the Phillies will have like a two-game set with the Yankees here, 
and then immediately go to New York for two games or vice versa with Boston. They'll have two games here and then two in Boston. It's not very often that you see a two-game set. It's usually interleague, though. It's not like you're going to have the Mets come uh, to town for two games. It's usually you play against like the uh, like the Astros or something. That is a uh, Texas is seven games under 500 for what it's worth. So, I mean, I could see it for like you know a makeup game, like if it was rained out or something. Sure, but I just felt looked odd that it, I think the that's Rangers actually for two games. I think it's actually what the Rockies are doing. The Rockies after they finished yesterday are going to play. Um, one game with San Francisco to make up for one of the games they missed out at the beginning of the season. So, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, then, so what do you think? Two out of two split for the Mets for the Texas games? Oh, uh, yeah, split one one. All right, I think they win both, and then they got four against the Mets here. I'm going to go three one Mets. Yeah, I was just going to say one three Phillies, but yeah, three one Mets. So I got Phillies winning one two three. Four, five, six. I got the Phillies winning six out of ten. So, yes, yeah, or six out of nine. I beg your pardon. No, yeah, six, six out, out of nine. Of... I beg your pardon. So, I think that'll ultimately be kind of what we see. as long as they win home series and then split road series, they're going to be a playoff team. I just need them to do well against the division, but we have them already going one three in that second. Uh, same with the Mets, because ultimately, when it comes down to division, is basically the division seating and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it's gonna be fun. I think it could be the NL East if this stays put. Could be a four-man race, and that wild card is gonna look mighty interesting. It very if well could they can yeah. keep up. If the Marlins, and that was my early season pick, well above whatever their score was, I had them on the over. They're not failing me yet, and the Mets are looking f- phenomenal. I can see the Marlins probably falling off. The Atlanta getting hot. Phillies. Stay in the course, and then the Mets collapsing and blaming the fans for their collapse. Probably, yeah, and they'll boo the fans. Um, are you ready for the four minute scramble? Uh, As we second, approach the the final stretch, we are rounding third base, headed for home. The four minute <laughs> scramble will be us getting the wave, and then the wins and losses are our head first dive into home plate. I'm ready, sir. Let me know when uh, you're ready. Ready when you are. And go. Uh, report by Shams, and I'm paraphrasing. Uh, ben Simmons suffers so much stress that it flares up his back. That's why he w- missed game four. What do you make of this? His back hurts because he probably sits in an uncomfortable position when he plays his video games at home. He's got to invest in a better chair then. Yeah, I mean, Simo the Savage. He spends all that money on a sign. He should spend some money on a chair. And, um, and on clothes, too. <laughs> yeah. Who do you think is most to blame for the Nets sweep? Do you think it's Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant? The bums on the team, Steve Nash or the GM? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Kyrie because, I mean, it's his choice for the vaccination, but yeah, you got to play better than that. Kevin Durant has done all he can. The jobbers, they're all gone by next year. And Steve Nash, you got to coach better or you get out coached. GM, he's probably like a year away from getting removed. I'm going to go with the uh, supporting cast. I thought... Each of Kyrie and KD had decent games. Singularly, they didn't really have, you know, combo good games. Neither of them played well together. Yeah. It was like KD played well here, Kyrie. But they needed more from Bruce Brown. They needed more from Curry. Drummond was terrible in games in game four. Um, and, the, you know, Steve Nash, he's not a coach. He's just a, he's <laughs> a guy. Um, we're about 20 games into the MLB season. The Mets and Yankees are actually the two best records in baseball. So they're each at the top of their respective leagues. Is New York back? Never. Not as long as the Atlanta Braves <laughs> and the Boston Red Sox are still there and the Dodgers out west. 
I think the Yankees are here to stay. Really? I don't know about the Mets. I think the Mets offense is here to stay, but they're pitching. They need DeGrom back, and Scherzer's getting old. I think the Yankees are here to stay, and they're going to get whatever they want at the trade deadline. You think they're going to stay on top of the division, though? I think the Yankees are going to win the the AL East. I think the Mets are more likely to be a wild card in the NL. I can see that. Um, Angel Hernandez, we already talked about it earlier, umpire. So who do you got? Angel Hernandez or Scott Foster as the worst in their respective sport? Choose your fighter. I think Angel Basically. Hernandez is worse for the sport because Scott Foster makes his sport extra money by fixing games and making sure that the worst team wins. Angel Hernandez just sucks. All right. So as a player, though, would you rather see Angel Hernandez at the plate or Scott Foster, especially if you're CP3? Uh, Angel Hernandez, because I know at least he's blind in both eyes, and it'll go <laughs> it'll go poorly for both teams. It's not just going to be one team that gets screwed. Scott Got Foster's it. there with a, with a, a mandate. He's got to screw one team. <laughs> or one player in CP3. So the Vegas Golden Knights eliminated playoff contention for their first time in franchise history. They made it in 2018, 19, 20, and 21, the first four years they existed. Is this the most... <laughs> improbable run for any team in the last 20 years oh 1000 percent. i don't think any team's ever done this making the playoffs all the i mean the marlins won a title the first couple of years but uh vegas was really one of the best teams in the league they won it all in their very first year of inception and if not for um if not for that division being so like disgusting this year they probably would have made it again <sighs> true um so um, we have bucks and warriors in the finals i believe uh, you have Bucks and Warriors, I think. Well, right. I know I have Warriors winning it all. You, you have, have Bucks. I, I think, think you have the Warriors. You might have had the Nets. I don't know. Um, I yeah, have. I think the Warriors will still get back. I think so too. I think the Warriors going to win it all, actually. And uh, on Twitter, there was a Bulls fan. I saw this on the thread. A Bulls fan was fed up with the loss. He wants the team to trade for Westbrook. He's done with injury prone Lonzo, and he said he's happy to give up DeMar DeRozan or Levine to get him. What do you think about that nonsense? I think he should be signing up for the Special Olympics because he's clearly retarded. Um, <laughs> I don't know why anybody would want Westbrook. <laughs> what do you think? Oh my goodness. I don't know why you would want to give up Levine or DeRozan for Russell Westbrook. You could probably give up like why would you give up arguably the best and most important player on your team who basically was an MVP candidate in DeMar DeRozan? Yeah. Give him away. Ship him to where he should have been in the first place as a Laker to get we, Russ Westbrook, we who's going to hog the ball. Here. He's a secret agent for the Lakers, this, this Bulls fan. But to his credit, I understand. Lonzo Ball gets injured a lot, and once he went down, this team went pretty much down. And then, the, obviously, DeMar and a bunch of others got injured, like Caruso as well. Yeah, but Lonzo never really recovered once he got injured, and who knows where this team would be if it was a healthy Bulls team, the early season, first half of the Bulls. So I get it because Westbrook is durable, but we've seen Westbrook at his best and at his worst, and he's an aging player. I don't think I would make that trade. I don't think so. I I just don't want Westbrook on my team. Yeah, why would I want that? Why would I want that headache? All right, we have rounded third. We're headed for home. It's the W's and the L's of the, the week. Home stretch. Um, um, how many of each? And I have. Let's see. I have two L's, two W's. I can go rather quickly. I got seven W's and <laughs> five L's. You can go first, just in case I have any of the same. I can eliminate them as we go. 
Uh, Give me time to pull up the tweets as well. I mean, we've already talked about this first. Uh, Ben Simmons not playing in game four basically cost his team. But also, a more bigger L, Ben Simmons avoided history by becoming possibly the first player in any sport to play consecutive (laughs) games in elimination and get eliminated in the playoffs, playing for two different teams. He would have, because his last game was against the Hawks as a sixer, and his first game as a net would have been against Boston, getting eliminated in epic fashion. He avoided history, so it takes an L for robbing us of that joyous moment. Zero games this year. And we said this when we had Richard DeGroat on. I was just thinking about that. And I think (laughs) at one point we all said no, and then we kind of, I think I changed my mind to say, yeah, I think he'll play a game. I, yeah, I said no early on. I think I said yes, and then I changed to no, and I think you guys did the opposite. I know we all at one point had one, and then we all had the other. Unbelievable that he managed to get paid and get zero playing time. File a grievance. <laughs> right. Uh, my second L, uh, the 49ers, not paying Debo Samuels. Brother, he is arguably the reason why you got as far as you did to begin with, and if you don't think so, Look back at week 17, he was the reason why you beat the Rams on the road to get into the playoffs to begin with. So, And if anything, did you not see what happened in Green Bay? It was Debo Samuel's show. So 49ers for not paying him and possibly trading him to the Jets as well was rumored. So take an L, 49ers. Hopefully they pay that man wherever he goes. He's a true king, and he will. And he doesn't want to be a gadget player and rightfully so. He can do it, but he's more than that. What team do you think he'll play on? Looks like the Jets really want him, so I'll say the Jets. If That'd not, if not, would it be would it be great? I don't think Kyle Shanahan will sign off on it, but him signing with the Green Bay Packers. <sighs> but yeah, that's our both males. All right. So Miles, in the first three games of the Warriors Nuggets series. Yeah. What was Nikola Jokic's plus minus? Minus 32. Triple it. Minus 91. <laughs> I like how you take the glasses off. Oh, man. Um, second L, Pete Alonzo, first baseman, New York Mets. Yes. First of all, I'm a big, strong guy. I can put somebody in the hospital. Shut the fuck up. He got into a scrum, so I, I understand that guys don't like getting you know inside fastballs. Guys obviously don't like getting hit by pitches. Um, we got to stop pretending that every hit by pitch is intentional and you have to get mad about every single one of them. Pete Alonso got hit by a pitch, went down to first base. Benches cleared that game and big, strong guy who could put anybody in the hospital. Got tackled by a guy whose name is Stubby Clap, <laughs> who is a, a coach for the Cardinals. So big, strong guy got tackled by a 50-year-old man. So please be quiet. Um, my third L, bullpen guy for the Cardinals. Um, oh, I saw this. Um, for this little fake scrum. Bench is cleared, I believe, twice. The first one, bench is cleared, and it was just like exchanging pleasantries. Like, hey, hold me back, fam. And bullpen guy jumped over the wall, <laughs> climbed over the wall, <laughs> has been waiting his entire life. to. I don't even know who it was. It was just some reliever on the Cardinals. Climbed over the wall instead of running through the door. Yeah, like everybody else jog did. jog <laughs> on the field like a pansy <laughs> and not actually fight anybody. Um, uh, number four, Rudy Gobert got stung by a bee. Oh, my um, goodness. I can't believe that happened. <laughs> At number five, Shane Gostisbehere, former Flyer. Mm-hmm. He is one point away from having 80 points this season. 
And the Flyers, to get rid of him, traded two draft picks with him just to get rid of him. So the Flyers take an L on that one. <sighs> Fucking um, idiots. I got to see if I can find the Rudy Gobert tweet. He got stung by a bee that he owns himself, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, NBA... TNT, NBA on TNT covered it and they just roasted <laughs> I'm him. I'm sure they did. They roasted him. Charles Barkley was like, bees are not pets. If not, just go down to your local Acme Republic and get some honey. Why, <laughs> why does he think thing. you can domesticate a bee? Well, he gets his own honey, but Weird. I don't know. All right. Uh, W's. Yes. I'm going to let you go first just in case I have any of the same. Um. Okay. Johnny Depp. <laughs> John Depp gets a W because, I mean, if, if you've been living under a rock, he's under, you know, in court with his strange wife, girlfriend, whatever, Amber Heard, scum of the earth, whatever. Uh, you know, he said, she said battle, but I gave John Depp a W because public perception is he's winning this case 1,000%, but the memes and videos that are coming out of this court case of him just basically obliterating uh, Amber Heard's lawyers and his snickering comments are just gold and just a guilty pleasure of mine to watch late night on TikTok and on YouTube. The so most sure. recent one is the one I say this morning from TikTok where they said, uh, Johnny, would you physically? say that you're a bigger, you're you're larger physically than Amber? And he said, I don't, I don't think I'd say that. Yeah. It's... And they play the, uh, the always, it's always sunny music when they showed her. <laughs> well, she's like holding on like, like, oh, oh my God, how dare him? How dare he? Um, and also can't when cancel him, the the lawyer, the lawyer uh, asks Johnny like, uh, "Would you say you you gave yourself a mega pint?" And he like a mega pint, really? Is that what we're going with it? It's it's comedy. It's sickening what's happening. Both their images. Are I, I don't. Even, I, I honestly don't know any movies Johnny Depp was in. I just know he's famous. Pirates of the Caribbean. No, I know that's one it. movie that Johnny Depp was in. Oh, Willy Wonka too. Oh, that's right. He was in the crappy remake. Yes. Yes. yes, you know yes, what? yes For yes. that movie, he deserves to get sued. <laughs> and then my uh, second uh, W, I saw this on uh, the Twitter feed that we have. And Jonathan the Turtle. He mm. turned 190 years old yeah. this year. Uh, he was born in 1832, for those who want to do the math. Uh, he's the oldest known land animal alive today. Shout out to that king. And there was a picture of him posing. It looks like with his three little kids. <laughs> I don't know where his wife is, but uh, she's dead. <laughs> either that or she's working. He's a stay-at-home dad at one at 190. So, shout out to him, wherever he's yeah. at. Oh, I, I didn't even know. see the little turtles next to him. Yeah, that's the first thing I saw. I'm like, how's this man at 190 years old with three little turtles? That's adorable. Unless they age forever. <laughs> where did he find a shell that big? Jesus, I don't know. But yeah, those yeah, are my that, W's. That was gonna be my first W. Um, <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> so, uh, Jonathan the turtle was number one. Uh, my second of him is going to go in chronological order here. Christian Pache, who was a uh, former uh, outfielder for the Braves. Yeah. He was traded in the Matt Olson trade, and he seems to be like one of the nicest people on the planet. Um, little kid named Jaden Solis, I guess, took a picture with Christian Pache on the field before yeah. an athletics game a couple weeks ago and was really excited about it and tweeted out hashtag new profile pic. And Christian Pache um, quote tweeted it and said, hey, we have the same picture. And he made his picture, a uh, picture with him and these two little kids who were like thrilled to meet him. So good for him. What an awesome young player. Um, it's a shame he's on the A's, so nobody knows he exists. But he got a ring last year, and now he's going to go be a fan favorite for all 3,000 people that go to athletics games. Um, and then get traded once he becomes good. My second W and my favorite one. Actually, yes, my second W <laughs> and my favorite one. 
Uh, right. The Cleveland Guardians on April 25th, 2022 at 1028 p.m. Eastern Time tweeted, but Trudian, I'm Trudian, but truly Guardians versus Angels has us thinking about our Guardian Angel tonight. And they photoshopped Harambe into the picture of the ballpark. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Harambe. Hey, no way. In the outfield. Oh, my goodness. There's Harambe. <laughs> And then everybody in the comments was mad that um, that Cincinnati didn't do it because that's where he's from. And somebody said, "Yeah, he'd still be alive if he lived in Cleveland. He wouldn't be dead." So, <laughs> well, Cincinnati um, has bigger problems on their own. Yeah, hands. shout out to the shout out to the Guardians for that. Um, w for Stubby Clap tackling Pete Alonzo. Uh. Um, big strong L for big strong uh, poopy diaper boy Pete Alonzo. Um, Impromptu W for Jake Lehman walking onto the floor the other night, and the fans asked him, "Hey, how many minutes are you playing?" And he held up a giant zero. And oh, I saw that. Um, <laughs> Another small W for Chris Siegel last night, the umpire in the Marlins Nationals game. Yeah. He missed one ball slash strike call the entire game. He missed one call in the strike zone. Um, wow, look at that. Angel Hernandez missed 75% of the strikes that he called a couple weeks ago. Chris Siegel missed one pitch, and it was in the first inning, so it was kind of inconsequential. So I think the best performance of any umpire this year. Next W. So the uh, the Phillies, whenever they welcome a team into town, they give them unlimited access to cheesesteaks in the clubhouse. Really? The Rockies physical performance coach, Mike Jasperson, has apparently eaten 24 cheesesteaks over the course of one series in Philly. Oh, that's gross. <laughs> there's a picture. Somebody posted it on their Instagram story. Of him eating a cheesesteak in the clubhouse with no shirt on. That's gross. Um, so good for that guy. Um, I, I got to see where. I mean, I guess it may be it's probably in-house. It's probably Campos or something because they have a Campos inside, but they probably yeah. have. I would hope they have real meat. Um, I hope it wasn't like, oh, give me Pats. Give me oh, Gino's. I don't have it. I, I couldn't eat more than one of those. Um, Bryce Harper debuted 10 years ago. Um, so Did 10 it? years ago yesterday. He's one of eight players ever with 250 home runs, 100 stolen bases, 750 walks by his 10-year anniversary in the major leagues. The other seven players, now listen to this list, Mickey Mantle, Mike Schmidt, Barry Bonds, Jeff Bagwell, Chipper Jones, Mike Trout, Paul Goldschmidt. So elite territory for Bryce Harper. Uh, Next W, and I believe my last one, is uh, so before every baseball game, the two dugouts will send out either uh, you know a coach or the manager will come out and exchange lineup cards with the opposing yeah. team. Um, for the first time, as uh, major leaguers, Wilson and William Contreras faced each other. William Contreras is the catcher for the Braves. Wilson Contreras is the catcher for the Cubs. Uh, Brian Snitker and David Ross sent them out to home plate last night to exchange lineup cards, and they hugged it out, which is kind of cool. Are they siblings? Yeah, they're brothers. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, very cool. I thought it was like, you know, guys oh. with the same last name. We had one other umpire last night with only one missed call. Quinn Wolcott did the Chicago-Atlanta game, the one we just talked about. He missed one call, and it was in the fifth inning. And Atlanta won 5-1, so that was completely inconsequential. So <laughs> umpires are doing a complete 180 last week or so. Do you think these two umpires beat themselves up when they realized, oh, that was a bad call? I'll never again. And they didn't miss? It looks like they were both awfully close. So I, it's hard to be upset about this. Looks like uh, how they're going to be in the World Series this year. Sorry, well, Angel. A lot of umpires just they were pretty good. Angel must not. He must have been doing like third base. Angel sucks. Uh, who had this, who had the Phillies game? Not Angel Hernandez. Probably fifty percent. Manny Gonzalez missed um, ten calls out of a hundred. Unacceptable. Fifty-eight. So uh, whatever. Unacceptable. As long as you're not Angel, you're fine. Yeah. Right. Well, wow, we did it. We've did crossed it. home plate, and we have scored. 
I think we did it under two under two hours this time around. I think so. I think We're so. getting better. We're getting, getting better. better. <laughs> so, uh, the single episode a week, a lot to cover with the three and a half sports that are going on. Maybe next week we'll have a top five or a top ten to talk about. Stay tuned on the Instagram. We might have some good content for you in the, in the next coming days. Yeah. A lot to uh, a lot to unpack next week when we talk about the second round of the NBA playoffs and the conclusion of the NFL draft. Maybe maybe the Eagles draft a quarterback. Maybe they won't. I know they trade week. for one. Yeah. Or sign See one. what happens going forward. Hopefully the yeah. Phillies keep it up. Hopefully the Sixers keep it up. Yeah. Game one, I think we'll be by the time we record, be game two have already been played. We will be heading into game three. We'll be hosting, yes. Dare I say the PA turn pod. Potentially attending. Yes. Well, if Jalen Brunson would have hit the first shot last night, it would have been uh, half my ticket right there. So, <laughs> deal. Let's, let's hope for a winner. Bets. Yes, for sure. Um, all right, guys. Have a good weekend and uh, stay frosty for episode 53 coming up. Adios.